Amen. Well, y'all, we are in week number three of a series that we have called Commit to Make a Difference. Anybody want to make a difference? Now, how many of you guys, uh, how many of you guys wrote the letters? Wonderful. Week one. Some of you are looking at me like, what is he talking about? Week one. This whole, this whole series is about equipping us as a church to move forward and to grow in our maturity with Jesus Christ and to make a difference in our community, to make a difference in our family, to make a difference in our own lives, and to make a difference in the people that are around us. Somebody say amen. amen. That's a big deal. And so week one, we wrote ourselves a letter saying we were committing to make a difference, that this year was not going to be the normal year where we start off strong reading our Bibles and doing those things. This was going to be a year that we make a difference and we move forward and we mature. Week number two, we started doing, if you, uh, if you didn't write a letter and you would like to, you want to jump in on board and make a difference this year, we have some letters um, down at, at, on the altars. Week number two, we talked about committing to, uh, to give through worship. Now, worship's important. Matter of fact, we talked about worship last week, and Satan wanted to attack the worship this week. It's because it's important. A lifestyle of worship is important. And the way that we equipped you last week was by giving you this little devotional. It has 52 uh, devotions, one for every week of this year. And let me just say, y'all, that I left last week just stoked. I mean, pumped, more pumped than I've ever been leaving a church service. And here's why. Because I like to do these, these uh, response-driven altar calls where you have some kind of thing that you respond to. And when I say that is you come and get something. So we, we did the one where if you committed to joining with me and praying, you came and got a key. How many of y'all still got your key? It's awesome. We gave out about 125 keys that day. We did the one where you came and you got the shovel and you dug in the dirt and activated your faith in the shovel. How many of y'all still got your shovel? Oh, it's awesome. And so we had like 98 shovels that went. So last week, as I was preparing for last week, I was like, okay, well, how many devotions should I make? And I told Hillary, ah, let's do 200. And then I was like, ah, no, let's do more. Let's do 250. And so we made two. We've never given over 150 of anything at the altar call. Okay. Now I'm saying this for a reason. Follow along with me. So we put out 250 of those little, of those little uh, spirals last week. There's 60 more out this week, and that's because we ran out last week. Now, you know what that tells me? Here's what that tells me. That tells me that God's people are hungry to move forward. That tells me that his church has got a desire inside of them to stop being the same old, same old, and doing the same old, same old, and to mature and grow in my relationship with Jesus Christ. And let me tell you something. I, la- I left last week pumped. And the goal throughout this year is to keep you pumped. Not to say, oh, I'm going to make a difference, and then after January we stop. We are going to make a difference this year. Somebody shout Amen. All right, well, let's jump into week three right now. Now, I'm going to warn you, week three and week four are really going to stretch you because weeks one and two, we're covering personal stuff. How do I grow and change in my life? How do I develop myself? How do I move forward? Well, weeks number three and four is about you doing something in somebody else's life. That's where you really start to get out of your comfort zone, amen? And so weeks three and four is going to be challenging. I want to challenge you to stay with us. You guys have been taking uh, these, these challenges and being equipped. And you're being equipped not just so that you can see a change in you. You're being equipped so that you can see a change in others. So week number three, here we go. We're going to commit to work and serve. I know some of you are sitting there thinking, Pastor, I've been working for 25 years 
And let me just say, it's overrated. <laughs> Anybody feel that way? Pastor, I don't want you to jump up there and tell me that I need to work my way to heaven. Listen, I would never tell you that. Why? Because it's not true. We can't work our way to heaven. There's nothing that we can do on this earth that earns us the right to go to heaven. But when we get saved and when we begin to build our faith, one of the things that we see take place, no matter what, as you're maturing in your relationship with God is service and work taking place in our lives. Not because it's something that we have to do, but it's because of the faith that we have in Jesus Christ and what he's called us to do. So what God has to say about work and service is so important. Amen? So let me, let me jump into some scriptures. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 23. I'm going to read several. You don't have to turn with me. We do have a passage if you want to turn there. It's going to be Matthew chapter 25. But let me read some scriptures on work. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 23. It says, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than people. Mm. Yeah, that's important. How about Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 11? It says, a hard worker has plenty of food. But a person who chases fantasies has no sense. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 24. Work hard and become a leader. Be lazy and become a slave. One of the most in-your-face verses for me in the Bible when it comes to work and when it comes to service and when it comes to taking care of what you're supposed to take care of is 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8. And here's what it says. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Whoa! You can't work your way to heaven. But the Bible says that the fruits come out of you shows who you are. And if you will not provide for your family, if you will not provide for your own, if you won't get yourself to work, the Bible says that you have denied the faith and it worse than an unbeliever. Somebody say amen. amen. Somebody say preach a little harder, Pastor. <laughs> hey, y'all said it. Yes. <laughs> amen. Mark chapter 10 and verse 45. This is the last one on this. It says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Listen. Even Jesus, the Savior, the King, the Messiah, he didn't come for somebody to pamper him. He didn't come for somebody else to serve him. He came to serve other people and to give his life for many. He came to be the perfect example for me and you to follow. Listen, write this down in your notes. This statement has been proven true over and over and over again, and it's real easy. It's four words. You got it? You ready? God blesses hard work. Write that down. God blesses hard work. So today, we're going to discuss what it looks like to commit to serve and work. And as you might remember, we have been looking at um, a story as every week this week, we've been taking one story and pulling from that story. Well, I actually have two stories, which is why I was so nervous with time, but we're going to jump right into it. Story number one is the story in Matthew chapter 25, and it's called the parable of the talents. And we're going we're gonna to label it this, the dangers of laziness. Okay? You ready? The parable of the talents slash the dangers of laziness. Here we go. Verse 14. Matthew 25 and verse 14. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. 
He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last. Now take this into consideration, dividing it in proportion to their abilities, and then he left on his trip. Verse 16, the servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money, and he earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went out to work and earned two more. But the servant who received one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and he hid his master's money. Okay, let's stop there for just a minute. Let me play out what happens. So what happens is the, the, the master goes on a trip and he's gone for a long time. He's gone for enough time for all of the other servants to invest and capitalize on their investment and have 100% growth. So he's gone for a while. He comes back. Okay, when he comes back, he goes to servant number one and servant number two, and they show him the work that they've put in, that, that this is what you've given me as my master. This is what I have done. They have to give an account for what the master gave them. This is what you gave me. This is what I've done. This is what I have now. Ten bags and four bags. And he says to them, it actually says in the Bible that he, he um, embraces them and tells them, well done. But then he comes to this third servant. Okay, he comes to the third servant, and the third servant now has to give an account for what he's done with the money that this master has given him. And I want you to read with me, if you have your Bibles, Matthew 25, verses 25 through 30. So the servant says, I was afraid I would lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I had harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops that I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit the money in the bank and at least I could have got some interest on it? Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with 10 bags of silver. To those, this is the, the big piece here, 29. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Whew. Everybody say, wow. Okay, here we go. How do we apply this to our life? I have three things that I want to share with you, three thoughts this morning that I want to share with you on applying this story to our life. And the first thought is this. Number one, doing nothing is still doing something. Doing nothing is still doing something. Let me show you where there's some proof there. James chapter 4 and verse 17 says, Remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not to do it. Doing nothing is still doing something. Church, write this down in your notes. Even if you choose to do nothing, you have made a choice. Y'all, it's quiet in here. And let me go ahead and warn you that this is a tough point. <laughs> It's very in your face, but it's also very, very true. And here's this. There are so many Christians today, probably Christians that are sitting in this room, that you have what I call the third servant syndrome. Now, what does that mean? Here's what, do you, what, what are the third servant? Here's the mindset, the mentality of the third servant is, oh, you know what? I, I'm just going to go. I'm I'm, I'm good with my master. He gave me, see, trust me with money. You know what? I, I'm going to go dig a hole and put my money in it, and I'm just not going to do anything. I'm just going to chill. 
I'm going to lay back on the beach. I'm going to enjoy life. I'm going to do whatever it is that I want to do. I'm going to take what he's given me, and I'm going to make sure that I don't lose any of it. I didn't steal any of it. I didn't gamble it away. I didn't lose any of it. So when he comes back, some of the other guys, they may lose some of their stuff. You never know when you're investing. They may lose some of their stuff, but I'm going to have 100% of what he's given me, and I'm just going to give it right back to him. We're going to be good. Me and my servant, me and my master will be good. Listen, that's not even close to what takes place. Amen? The master says, you wicked, evil, lazy servant. Depending on what translation, there's several different words there. Listen, uh, can you imagine being that servant? Can you imagine thinking that you're doing good and that everything's okay and then it's actually not Listen, I want to share my heart with you, and I want you to listen. I have this fear that when some of us in this room are called to give an account for what God's given us, the time that he's given us, the talents that he's given us, the resources that he's given us, the money that he's given us, I have this fear that when God comes down to say, hey, Josh, I want you to show me what you did with what I gave you. That several of us are gonna be like, oh, I, I had a good life. I didn't sin almost at all. I didn't, I didn't do anything bad. I never stole from anyone. I never got on drugs. I never did this. Me and God, we must be doing good because I'm, I'm to the best of my ability. I'm staying in line with the word of God. But he's not looking at that at this point right now. He's looking at what did you do with what I gave you? And I have this fear that so many people in the Christian world are going to be like this third servant. That you're like, oh man, me and God are good. And you go to give an account. And he says, you wicked, evil, and lazy person. You did nothing with what I gave you. Man. Somebody say, that's tough. It is. And I'm preaching to myself. Clawson, I love you with all of my heart. You are my people. And that's why it's my job as your spiritual leader and pastor to tell you the truth. And the truth is we're not called to sit around and do nothing. And when we do nothing, we've actually done something. And the something that we've done is ignore God's call on our lives to make a difference with what he's given us. Doing nothing is still doing something. The next lesson that we see, here we go. Y'all ready for number two? (laughs) Number two, it's not about what you have. It's about how you use it. It's not about what you have. It's about how you use it. Luke chapter 16 and verse 10 says this. If you are faithful in little things, then you'll be faithful in large ones. If you're dishonest in little things, then you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. Is it hot in here or is it just because of the... It's hot. Can we get a little air? I thought maybe it was just because you guys are looking at me because I'm cr- like I'm crazy. Whew, that makes me feel a little better. Okay, here we go. The scripture says if you're faithful in little things, it's not about the amount of what you have. It's about what you do with what you have. I would like to point out that there is this common attitude in church people so many times. I just don't have what it takes to do anything for God. 
This is attitude. I, I, I don't have a speaking voice, so I'm not going to jump up there like pastor. I'm not going to teach a class. I can't sing. So there's definitely, I can sing, y'all. <laughs> I can't sing. I don't have a lot of money. I don't like kids, so I'm not going to let them throw me up there with them. I don't have confidence in myself. I don't have time. I don't have patience. I don't have this. I don't have that. And this is how Satan is so successful at stopping people of God from getting something done because he tries to convince us in our mind that we don't have what it takes. But the beautiful truth about it is, is that you have what it takes. You have what it takes for you to do what God has called you to do. Hmm. What's so cool about this story, several things, but one of the things that's so cool about this story, in the end, the master doesn't go up, and he's like, hey, so you got 10 bags? Man, you are the bomb. You are the best. You're my main man. And then he goes over to number four bags, and he says, well, you did all right. No, 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 no. They got the same remark. You're blessed. I'm, I'm well done, my good and faithful servant. You know why they got the same remark? They got the same thing from the master because it didn't matter how much they had. It mattered that they took what they had and they began to use what they had to multiply the kingdom. It be they began to use what they had to bring an increase for the master. It's not about how much you have. It's about what you do with what God has given you. Number three. <clears throat> Listen, let me stop there before I move into number three. Let me just say, God's given you abilities. Maybe you haven't recognized those abilities. But if God's given you abilities, he's given you the abilities to, to multiply and to move his church. He hasn't given you those abilities to do nothing. And if you need help in finding what those abilities have, we offer that help. But it's up to you whether you get into the classes or move in the way to get that help. If God's given you leadership abilities, he's called you to lead. If he's given you discernment in the spirit, he's called you to pray. If he's given you teaching abilities, he's called you to teach. He's given you the ability to sing or play an instrument. He's called you to sing. Some of us think we can sing, and that's not what he's called us to do. <laughs> Debbie just won't let me sing. If he's given you the ability to work with kids, then I'm sure my wife will put you to work. If he's given you the ability to be a good business person and have a big bank account or have resources or God's blessed you in that way, he's blessed you in that way, whatever he has given you, we are going to give an account for how we've used literally everything that he's given us. Mm, Y'all, there's this amazing quote, and I love this quote. It's God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. When I got saved... <laughs> I was legitimately probably one of the worst speakers in the district. And I'm not trying to say that I'm anything great, but uh, I mean, like I could preach maybe from seven to 11 minutes and uh, it was bad. <laughs> Wasn't good. You can ask the youth, a Christian was in my youth ministry back in that day. I mean, no speaking abilities, but God called me to speak. And so he began to develop my speaking and my reading. I actually couldn't read back in those days, and he developed my reading. He qualified me to do what he called me to do, but it took me stepping out and saying, God, you've called me. You've got to tell me and show me how to do it because I don't know how. Mm. 
Number three, if you won't let God use you, he'll use someone else. Ugh, always hurts to hear that one. Am I right, ladies? <laughs> Matthew 25, 28 and 29. It says, then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even the little bit that they have will be taken away. Okay, here's the deal. Y'all ready? If we keep putting Jesus off and refuse to do his work, he'll take the work that he was giving us and he'll give it to somebody else. Man, that's tough. You know, in my house with my kids, we, uh, I have this policy. I, I'm, sometimes they're mom caves, but I don't give my kids money. I'm just not going to do it. If they want to have some money, they can work. And I got lots of work that they can do. I'll always provide work. I, I'll let them mow the yard. I'll let them weed eat. I'll let them come work at the church. Two of my kids worked at the church for about eight hours this week. One of them cleaned all of our buses. One of them weed eat at all the church. I'll give them work. But I never give them money without them working. That's just a policy that I have. My dad made me work, and I'm pretty good at working, I guess. And so I'm, I'm going to make them work. But one of the things, one of the most common ways that my kids work, y'all going to laugh, you ready? Is they rub my feet. <laughs> I pay good. I know that's a, that's a very humbling role. But, uh, but they, they rub my, I, I, if I come home from a long day's work sometimes, I want to get my feet rubbed. Don't judge me. Thank you. My wife, she won't ever do it. So I had to talk my kid. I, I started them off at about four years old. Hey, I'll pay you to rub my feet. Well, they like that. And so what I know about, here's what I know about my kids. Okay, Rylan, he is the best. He's 14. He can rub some feet and he does a pretty good job. Canaan is a close second. Okay, Canaan actually the other day, he said, hey, I, I'd like to rub your feet. Okay. He said, I watched some YouTube videos and I got some new techniques. <laughs> That's a true story. I was like, oh, snap. Yeah, baby. Hey, when they get them new techniques and they get better, you bless them more. Right? So they started off at four years old with 10 cents a minute. Now, Rollins making 50 cents a minute. 50 cents a minute is $15 an hour. That's pretty good money. But Canaan, he's on that 33 cents a minute right now. So he's trying to get that pay raise that Rowling got. He's trying to get that blessing. So here's it by Aiden. <laughs> Aiden is not learning the whole work thing. Y'all pray for Aiden because it, it, it just ain't working. He, anyways. So in my house, here's what happens. Okay. I want to bless my children. I ain't going to give them nothing for nothing though. They're going to do something. So I say, oh, my feet hurts. So a long day. I get home, take a shower. I get out the shower. I'm sitting in my chair. Hey, Roland, you want to work? Yeah. All right, I'm waiting. If he keeps playing that video game, my feet's still hurting. So then what do I do? Roland, yeah, I'll be there in a minute. Hey, Kanan. Yeah. You want to do some work? Listen, Canaan just got Rollins' money. He got Rollins' blessings. Why? Because he being lazy. You be lazy, you don't get it. Somebody say amen. amen. And so if Canaan don't come, then I got to revert to Aiden. 
Aiden! I don't even let him rub my feet. He's that bad. I'll let him rub my head. Let him work on my head a little bit. He, he just, and then I'd, find, I'd never go to Emmy because Emmy would be like, Daddy, why don't you rub my feet? <laughs> that just ain't going to happen. Here's the thing, though. Here's the point to all this. You ready? God wants to bless you. Just like me as a father, I want to bless my kids. He wants to give you the big bucks, if you will. He wants to bless you. He wants to reward you. But if you spend your time being stubborn with God and refusing to do his plan for you, refusing to work and refusing to serve, then he's going to take the blessing that he was going to give to you. And he's going to give that blessing to whoever it was that would work and would serve. Don't be like the lazy servant. Don't sit around and hide your talents while everybody else is getting blessings because of what they're doing for God. So we've learned that doing nothing is still doing something. It's not about what you have. It's, a, uh, it's a, not about what you have. It's about how you use it. And if you won't let God use you, he'll use someone else. Y'all, as I'm beginning to close out, I, I got one more story that I want to go through real quick. And it's about serving. And it's the story of the Good Samaritan. I'm going to read it to you real quick. Luke chapter 10, verses 30 through 37. Here's what it says. Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped off his clothes, and they beat him up, and they left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant came along and walked over and looked at him lying there, and he passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan. I love the fact that it threw the term in despised. A despised Samaritan came along. When he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged him up. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver corns, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I will pay you next time I come. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked, and the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. And then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Two lessons that we learned from this. Number one, you'll be known by your fruits. Here's what Matthew chapter 7 and verse 16 says. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way that they act. I love this so much for so many reasons. It proves that Jesus isn't concerned with dumb titles. He isn't concerned with how we look or our appearance. He's concerned with our heart. I want to ask you a real simple question. Who in here was impressed by the priest or the temple guy? Impressed by the priest or the temple guy? And why aren't you impressed with the priest? Do you know what a priest goes through to be a priest? He's like the royal bloodline of whoever at that time. He's the man. He knows all of the scriptures. He can spit out the scriptures like you. He's high status. Don't you know who this guy is? He has the finest robes and the fancy church job. You're not impressed with that guy? No. What about the temple assistant? 
Don't you understand? He had hundreds and hundreds of hours of training to be able to know the word like he does. He served in the temple for years. Don't you guys understand? This guy knows the laws. He knows the rules. He knows the temple like the back of his hand. That doesn't impress you. You know why it doesn't impress you? Here's why. And this is what so many of us need to take home. No matter the amount of status or outward appearance we have, Nothing that we have can cover up what's in our heart. Listen to me, y'all. The modern church is full of people who love to dress up nice and have gone to church for decades. But their hearts are hard. And the truth is, they're not impressing me. They're not impressing you. They're definitely not impressing the world around us that's dying and going to hell and they're not impressing God. Churches are full of people who can quote scripture frontwards, backwards, and sideways, but they'd rather sit in a building in chairs or in a pew than they would go out and make a difference for God. Go out and help the person that's beat up and feed the person that's hungry and love the person that needs Jesus. You see, the Samaritan was hated. He was lower class. The Pharisees and the religious people, they looked down on this guy. But Jesus said, forget those clowns. That guy right there has my heart. And the way that he lives and the fruits that he shows shows that he has my heart. Lastly, number two, and I love this, when we serve... God remembers it. When we serve, the Lord remembers it. Matthew chapter six and verse four says, give your gifts in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. The good Samaritan, he got no glory in the story at all. He did all the work. He picked him up. He bandaged him. Do you realize the amount of time that he spent with this guy? He took the time to bandage him up, to take care of his sores, to put him on his donkey and himself walk him to this inn. He stayed the night with him at the inn. He made sure that he was okay. In the morning, he paid his bills, and he got no glory. You know what the Bible says in the scripture that we just read? That he is getting the glory. Because God sees him and will reward him according. Whoo, that's encouraging. Clausen, when we serve and we work hard for God, it may seem like sometimes that no one sees. It may seem pointless. It may seem like you never get credit. But how cool is it to know that every time you work with one of the kids and youth or the kids, every time you ride or drive a bus, Every time you hold the door for somebody and love on them as they walk into the church, every time you help with Hell House, every time you write that check and you're faithful and you're giving, every time you serve a meal to someone that needs a meal or build a food box and pray over this food box for somebody to get, every single time you serve and you work, God is watching what you do. And the Bible says that he will reward you according to what you do. Wow. God's looking down and he says, that's my boy. (laughs) Look at his heart. He may look good. He may can talk a big game. But this guy right here, he loves me. And he shows that he loves me by the way that he acts. 
Would you stand with me this morning? I want to invite our worship team to come up and join me. I have a two-part challenge for you this week. In just a minute, we're going to pray it. I'm going to invite our altar team to come up. <clears throat> so far, you've wrote yourself a letter. That's great. I do want to say, y'all, I come to the church, me and some of my friends, and we pray every morning at 5, well, not every morning, but Monday through Friday, we pray at, at 5.30 in the mornings. And uh, I have been praying over those letters. I've been praying because I know that when we try to do things right, that Satan hits us and he attacks us. And I've been praying for strength on you guys and myself as we, as we move forward and as we mature. First of all, you wrote the letter. Second of all, how many of you guys did your devotion this week? Listen, I want to read you my favorite part of the devotion this week. And I want to encourage you, if you're not doing the devotions, you want to jump in and do them. This was my favorite part. This is what spoke to me the most. Psalms 27. It says, teach me how to live, O Lord. Lead me along the right path, for my, enemy, my enemies are waiting for me. Don't let me fall into their hands, for they accuse me of things I've never done. With every breath they threaten me with violence, yet I am confident that the Lord's goodness, in the Lord's goodness while I'm here in the land of the living. What does that mean? That means... God, you teach me how to live. I'll follow you. I know that the enemy's out there. They're trying to attack me. They're trying to get me, but I'm confident in knowing that you got my back. Amen. That's what I got out of this week's study. I'm sure that several of you got something else. I encourage you, begin doing that. Now, what are your next steps? Here's your next steps. How are we gonna quit? Pick one of these two or pick both of them. Number one, I wanna encourage you, if you are seeking to mature in your walk with Jesus Christ and you're searching out where it is that he wants you in his body, honestly, the best place for you to start is growth track, which is next week. And you say, man, you're putting a lot, of, a lot of stuff in the growth track. Here's what growth track does. Growth track teaches you everything that we're about as a church and growth track shows you your talents and helps you get plugged in to the place that you wanna be. So if I am seeking to grow and to mature and I'm looking for the place that God wants me to be, that is the perfect place for me. Next week, grow track. I wanna encourage you, take your next step by doing that. And then secondly, y'all, really excited about this one. Every month, we're gonna have what we're gonna call mad challenges. Mad challenges. Mad is make a difference. And so we're gonna have make a difference challenges for every month of this year so that we're making sure that everyone in our church has the opportunity to continue throughout the whole entire year to make a difference in somebody's life. And so our Mad Challenge for this month, and we'll have copies of the Mad Challenges coming out where they'll be in our calendars. Um, uh, this month's Mad Challenge, and in January and February, one of the things that people like to do, they bought their kids a whole lot of Christmas presents, and now they have a whole lot of things in their house. Some of it needs to go. And so we want to encourage you to go through and, and, and bag up or box up some nice things that you want to get rid of and allow us to take it to Cuba or Mexico. And so your mad challenge for this month, we're almost done with January. Your mad challenge for January is this. Go home before the end of the year, box up some stuff, that you can take to Mexico. And here's how we're going to challenge the world with our mad challenges. You ready? If you do social media, I'll have to get somebody else to do mine because I don't do a lot of that. 
If you do social media, I want to encourage you when you box up your stuff, take a picture of what you just did and, and put hashtag Mad Clawson. We're getting mad, y'all. Hashtag Mad Clawson and post that. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to follow all throughout this year. And as people are growing, as they're maturing, as we're making a difference in the world, we're going to have a video showing all of the differences that we made. Now, we're not doing that to, to get recognition. We're doing that to show the people that we show people in the world and show people in our church that we're moving forward, we're maturing, and we're making a difference in the kingdom of God. So your two challenges, number one, take the take, begin growth track. If you're not plugged in and you're not working, you know from this morning that it's time to get to work and it's time to start to serve. And grow track is a great place for you to get started. Number two is take the mad challenge. Go home. Get some stuff that's going to go to Cuba or Mexico this year and bring it up and we'll have a storage place that we're putting it in. Listen, I would never want to close out a service and not offer some prayer. And so here's what I want to do. Every head bowed and every eye closed. In just a second, we're going we're gonna to sing a worship song. But if you are one of our altar ministers, if you are on our altar team, would you step out and come right now? And in just a second, when we begin to worship... Would you do this? Would you either, number one, stay through a worship song and just pour out yourself to God, love on Him and worship Him in spirit and in truth with all of your heart? Or number two, if you're here this morning and you need prayer, maybe you're here and you recognize I'm the priest. I'm the temple assistant. Maybe you're here and you recognize I'm lost and I'm not, I, I'm, not, I'm not doing what God's called me to do. Maybe you're here and you need direction and you need guidance. If you're here and you need prayer, we have a team of people that would love to pray for you. And if you want to worship the Lord and you want to step out and come to the front and just lift your hands and begin to love on him as we sing this last song, I want to invite you to come. Let's worship him. Come on, right now, if you need prayer, would you step out and come?